world and welcome to Notorious POD, episode 48. I am your host, Big John Bass. It's another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I'm joined by the one and only, the squeaky chair-ridden, Cal Qaeda. What's up, son? Well, brand new stall, I thought, all right, let's stop all this squeaking, and it's just the same. <laughs> I think it's your, it's your body, because you, you, I mean, some of our listeners won't know, but the last time we recorded, you were a healthy adult male, and now you've had a fall, and you know, like a lot of old people... Yeah. It's taken yeah. its toll on you, hasn't it, mate? How how was your uh, hip I've, and arm? I have got guaver hips now. Like I have got, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm on the mend. I'm getting there. Uh, it's a comfortable chair, so I'm happy with this chair. But yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like Junior from The Sopranos. I'm just yeah, yeah I'm broken. Sisters cut. <laughs> <laughs> and he was never the same. He was never the same. So you know, mm. it's, it's a worry. Mm. It's a worry. Uh, talking of um, great elder st- statesmen like Junior Soprano, we've also got Thelonious Filth up in this bitch. Bush, big up. Pop, 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 pop. What's up, son? How are you? Good, 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 mate. It's been it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been three weeks, so got a lot to get off my chest, even though there's nothing's happening in hip hop. Yeah, we, <laughs> we owe that. We owe the people a pod, so we're going to um, we're going to make the most of today, and just and we're just going to, I guess, freewheel it a little bit more. I mean, I know most people listen to this probably think what you guys don't normally just free will and just make up shit as you go along um that is by design but today we've we've got quite a light running order so we're going to just see where it takes us we've got a couple of different uh, topics of discussion that we'll run through so um without further ado let's start with the street report um something that is relevant i guess is like we are a hip-hop podcast i guess you could describe us a music podcast of, of sorts um and one of the most popular i guess hip-hop podcasts around is the joe budden podcast um they've made a lot of news a lot of waves today actually as we record about um the treatment of some of the contributors to said podcast and the whole history of that podcast is really interesting because it didn't used to be called the joe budden podcast did it It used to be called something else and then when they moved to spotify they changed the name and called it the joe budden podcast i didn't know that yeah it was called something else i can't remember what it was called when before they moved over to spotify because uh i saw today a clip with charlemagne the god and rory mao and joe budden mm-hmm. and charlemagne basically said how do you guys let joe get away with that because that this will change the dynamic now whether you think it or not right and they're all laughing and joking like oh yeah good one and he's saying no seriously like this how did you let him get away with this surely this is an issue and then in the same interview he talks he sort of points at Rory and he says, look, I know Mal and uh, Joe have been pretty tight for a few years. And does that not worry you that you're going to get replaced oh. eventually? Um, because, you know, I know Joe looks after his friends, but he doesn't really give a shit about people he's met through the industry. Right. And again, they're all like <laughs> laughing and joking. And like Budden's there like, Haha, yeah, good one. And then it's uh, happened today that um, basically Joe Budden's gone, gone berserk uh, and just, just blown up his own podcast by, firing rory and mal i think live on the on the pod today so i so i just thought we should talk about it because obviously t and i have had the discussion cow about letting you go and so i thought this was perfect uh perfect timing (laughs) that we could sack you live on this podcast uh, (laughs) really really get the the ratings the listenings up so yeah um, in the end it was rubbish it was rubbish yeah Imagine that, like you two letting me go, and then the next week, oh, what we're going to talk about? Oh, let's talk about quiche because we're a pair of old fucking bores. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> In this example, you're the Joe Budden, you're the fucking loose cannon, so we couldn't, we couldn't really let you go, could we? We'd have to, we'd have to keep Not you around really. to make you. Work. And yeah. I, I don't know if this is still true, but aren't I still number one? Aren't I still like? Isn't my Get Rich or Die Trying pod still your number one podcast ever? Like, pain, Get- bitch. Yeah, get uh, get Richard Die Trying is the most listened to episode we've ever done, which I find really interesting. I do find that really interesting. However, the Pete and Baz episode is rapidly catching up. Oh, thank thank God, God for that. Yeah, so I, I think give it some time because obviously that's been up for a year and a bit, but um, they are rapidly closing in on your on your all time record. Um, but in all seriousness, let's talk about this because Joe Budden to me has been a very interesting character in the sense of he had he's obviously was a very talented rapper. I think like most people who who know his work other than just like Pump It Up and a few other records, they know he's actually a very talented rapper. But for whatever reason, he never reached the heights that his talent had. And we understand that he's like dropped from Def Jam, then he had all the problems at Shady, 
Slaughterhouse, etc., etc. Then he's started his podcast. Then he's left to go to Spotify, and now he's blown up the whole thing. Why has Joe Budenty got this uh, propensity to want to just build something and then smash it to bits immediately? It's difficult to say. He just seems to have a self-destructive mode where you know he seems to like create something beautiful and then smashing it to pieces. I think he likes being on the outside. I think the podcast was very, very mainstream. Everyone was listening to it, and they probably thought, you know what? I need to do something to rail against it. I need to do something like really punk, like um, Nirvana going on top of the pops and insisting that this thing smells like Teen Spirit Live. And Kurt Cobain is a very, very baritone vocal. You know, so this is probably that you know Bob Dylan going electric, and Joe Biden firing his two his two co-hosts. I think he fired one of them. I don't know if he fired both of them live on live on a podcast. You know, it's yeah. it's his version of rock and roll. Uh, I don't know. He's 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 a very very strange man. I just think you know, it's very very Rick James. Mm, it's true, Cal. What do you think about it? Because the sort of the tone of the conversation was essentially that they were just asking for a bit more of an insight into the business side. Right. And that podcast famously has spoken to a number of different rappers. I remember an interview, I think this was actually before the Joe Budden podcast, but around the same topic of deals. And they were talking to Lil Yachty about his 360 deal. And Joe Budden's got this bee in his bonnet, basically about artists not not checking their paperwork and not really like realizing what they've got. And the story is that Rory and Mal were basically asking the same questions. They were like, well, what's the deal? What are we going to get with Spotify? How does this affect us? Can we get some equity in the business side? And that's what's caused this like fraction. So, what do you make of this whole thing, mate? Like, it does seem a little bit hypocritical, no? Yeah, it is a bit. I remember I, I don't listen to it every week or even monthly, really. My kind of relationship with it is um, to like, I listen to, and I think he listened to the same one when he kind of like Eminem did like a little diss record yeah. at him. On, I think it yeah. was on, was it on Kamikaze T or was it on a different one? I think it was on Kamikaze. It wasn't even really Slim Shady record. RP, mate. <laughs> so like, he gave him like half a bar or something. Like Eminem like gave him like half a bar. And then he, and then Budden decided to like give him two hours of his podcast while Rory and Mal sat there nodding their little heads and agreeing with everything he said. Um, He's a strange. I like Joe Budden. I, you know, when Mood Music came out, I used to cop the mixtapes and buy them and have them, you know, get them sent to me from America. Like I'm, I used to be a big Joe Budden fan, but he just has this thing of, he just fucking like you said, John. He just fucking blows everything up. It's like he had his deal with Jeff Tam. He fucked that up. Then he goes and joins Slaughterhouse. He falls out with all of them. You know, you've got Crooked Eye and Royce the Five Nine. They're both fine with Shady, but Joe Budden isn't. Um, he was, I think the podcast you were talking about before was Everyday Struggle, which was on Complex. Um, yeah. That that wasn't with Rory and Mao. That was with Academics and a lady whose name I can't it remember. Definitely had a different name when it first started out, though. Okay? Yeah, it was called yeah. I'll Name This Podcast Later. That's what That's it was called. That was it. Well remembered. Yeah. Yes, that was it. Um, the episode I listened to was a Drake one. I think the one we listened to was a Drake one when Drake was dissing him. Mm. Ah, Yes, there was yeah, there was that, but there was the there was the Eminem one as well where he went at Eminem for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um and he did that and it's just kind of like he just has this thing, it's like nothing's ever his fault. Like he falls out with everybody, but it's never his fault. And I kind of feel like listening to him on his podcast when he goes on these rants, everybody just kind of sits there and just kind of nods along and goes along with it. I feel like he has like a fucking desire, like he needs to be worshipped by people. Like, I think mm. he's a little bit narcissistic and a little bit, you know, he's been open in the past. He's had some drug problems and things like that. I'm not saying that's what it is now. He's just not, he's just not good at maintaining relationships. And it's a shame because I've enjoyed little parts of the podcast. I would watch them on YouTube, like little 10 minute clips. They had, they had Lloyd Banks on it not too long ago. And it was really good because Joe Budden just picked up the phone up and called him. And then they all had this conversation. It was really good, but it's a shame. It's a shame that that's buttons for you. He's just a strange guy. Yeah, twi Twitter, is, um, as it kind of tends to do, has had a pretty good summation. I mean, some of the memes have been amazing, but essentially, like, the sentiment is, like, there's been a decade of women telling you how toxic in a relationship Joe Budden can be, and now we're finally listening. And that just seems to me to be the issue, is that I've always felt that there's a weird darkness to him. This, like, He's a bit like a shark, like he's a bit dead behind the eyes. There isn't 
there's never much joy with Joe Budden. Even when he's like laughing, it seems like it's like an act. Like there's not, he doesn't actually genuinely enjoy anything. He's just finding a way to get through stuff and making content. And he actually gets the most, um, most animated when he's in lash out mode. That's when you see him like sort of spring out of his, his box basically. So the, the, the thing of Joe Budden is like, um, when he's just like your dad just throws you, I don't know, 10 kilos as a fabric and says, make this suit for me now. So like when Joe Biden speaks, it's like I have to decipher every sentence he says because the way which he speaks isn't really, um, well, I guess it's not normal. There's like so much multi-layered. It's like, it's like he's rapping in subliminals, but he's speaking in them. You've got to kind of, you know, try and get the bar like five minutes later on, which is probably why I can't really listen to him. And this whole... I don't know, his whole style of speech, he just needs conflict, he needs conflict. If, if anything's too sweet, he just, nah. It's like that scene in Fight Club when, you know, he destroyed that beautiful guy's face. That's that's Joe Budden and his life. But, you know, Cal touched on the Mood Music series, and I'm not one for listening to a whole series of rap albums. I don't really get into all that, but that's that's got to be one of the best, surely. Mood Music. Yeah. I mean, look, this this is... This is not a criticism of of his talent, I guess, because in order to like destroy something brilliant, you have to make something brilliant. It's a little bit like the I can't remember who it was that was talking about him, but um, Scott Storch making a hundred million and then losing it all, right? And pe- people always talk about it. Oh, how could you lose a hundred million? Uh, and I, ca- I cannot remember who it was was talking about it, but they said, yeah, but he made a hundred million, so you can focus on the fact that he's lost it, but he also made it. And I guess it's the same thing with Joe Budden. Like we're talking about the fact that he blows these things up, but he does also create them in the, in the same way. So yeah, I guess it's just an interesting, for me, it's an interesting dynamic. He's an interesting character that's able to like create these really like popular and powerful things and then just seemingly can't stay in a mind frame to maintain them. So fair enough. Um, talking about divisive characters, new album from J Cole coming out this week. J Cole, unlike a lot of people seems to really divide opinion and is very like polarizing despite the fact that he is not in any way controversial as far as I'm aware of. And so I guess what I want to find out from you two, because I don't think either of you particularly like Cole, right? So I want to find out why people hate him. Now I'm not saying that you two necessarily hate him, but I just want to, I want to sort of unpack it and try and find out why and what maybe we can get to the bottom of why we think that is. Um, Cal, let's start with you, mate. I'll just ask you, why do you think some people hate J. Cole? Because he's popular. Mm. That's I it? think I, in what, anything that's popular, people are going to hate on it. I think that's just human nature. That's the internet. That's social media. That's the way it is. The only thing I can think of that he did was slightly controversial was when he started gunning for No Name. Yeah. And No Name put him in his place. Um that's like the only thing I can think of was where like the whole Black Lives Matter stuff, George Floyd had passed, all of that had gone on, and he started gunning for her. It was proper fucking weird. Uh, maybe find weird. maybe maybe people find him a bit preachy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know too much about him, but my 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 answer will be because he's popular. I don't know what you think, T. It's fan base. This is fan base. Um, it says a bar about Nipsey Hussle done at the age of 33, like Pimp C and Jesus did. And I'm like, and this friend that's motherfucking bars! You know, that, that's <laughs> a baseline. You know, and it's like a, it's a simple fucking bar, man. It's nothing special. So I struggled with J. Cole. He doesn't do anything that excites me. He doesn't do any, you know, fun, any fancy tricks. He's just there. I just find him, um, you know what? Listener of the podcast, Piv's, um, he said something about Conway that stuck with me. He says Conway is very, very workmanlike, and that's true because I, I, I've got one of Conway's albums, one of the albums of the year. When he said, that, I thought, you know what, it's, it's a good album, but it's this kind of by numbers. And yeah. I feel that with J. Cole, the first album of this I listened to was the Warm Up. I was actually quite excited by it. I thought sounds like a Chelsea football. You know, seems seems to you know have a few bars here and there, but I've just never really connected with his music. And it's like Ronaldo and Messi with him and Kendrick Lamar. Don't shoot me, John. In that <laughs> they're around, they're around at the same time. So they're going to be compared to each other. And you've got Kendrick Lamar, who I really, really fuck with. And you've got J. Cole. And the fact that I don't connect to J. Cole straight away, I just think, well, you know, 
He's not Kendrick Lamar, is he? So fuck him. <laughs> Fair. I, I would say it's closer to um, to Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio, and I'll tell you why. Um, Kendrick is like Johnny Depp because he does all this mad shit on screen, all these quirky characters, and he's like, oh, putting on a British accent because I'm just such a quirky actor. And he always has long hair and like makeup, and he's always in Tim Burton movies doing the most. And then was like, oh, he's a fantastic actor. Let's just hear him fucking rap without panning to the left and upside down and half of the fucking bar in Spanish. Whereas my boy J. Cole is much more Leo. Just solid fucking movies that you like and he's just acting. He's just giving you solid performances. No fucking makeup, no bullshit. He's got the same haircut in every film and he's just he's just doing bits. That's how I see Kendrick and Cole. I get I get why um I get why people feel that like J. Cole fans take simple bars and go, that's the best shit I've ever <laughs> ever heard. I, I think J. Cole is just a very steady actor like uh, rapper i think he's very like he's not exceptional at anything but i think he's steady across the board like i think he makes decent beats for himself i think he's like decent he's got decent bars decent voice decent flow and those composite parts make him quite good there are lots of much better rappers with shit beats that i can't listen to and you know much worse rappers who have amazing beats that make them sound great or like a style that's niche that makes him seem on point. I'd say he like he doesn't have those things, but I think overall that's more listenable to me. But John, John, I've got I've got to ask you in, in light of what you just said. Where do you stand on Rick Ross? I never heard your opinion opinion on Rick Ross. What do you think of him? Uh, I think Rick Ross is quite rubbish. That's my personal really? opinion. Yeah, I don't really rate him at all. Do you not like anything he's done? Uh. Not really, no. If I'm being honest, I, fi- I find him like just blah. Like, and there's nothing about him that interests me. I don't, I don't like. Um, I know Cal's losing his ed- losing his edit. Um, he's fucking, you're it, fucking killing me here, mate. You're it's just, it's just enough. He's just a nothing rapper. He just raps about Villain Mignon on the blah blah blah, like just fucking rap like <laughs> nonsense, just nothing. Just, just that's what he talks. He talks about like just indiscriminate lines that sound. Like just rich stuff. I'm eating filet mignon with a gold fork and upside down eating ninety nine dollar pork. Like just nonsense. Doesn't mean anything. And because yeah. he's big fat and he's created this gangster persona, it's just bollocks. So there's no there's no connection there. And like just like I woke up in a new Bugatti, whatever that shit song is. Like what the fuck does that mean? Like it's just yeah. it's just nonsense to me. There's no connection with him. I like me a bit of rosé. Uh, I like me a bit. Of... I think for me, it's like I get you. I take your point. Uh, John, the 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 content, the lyrical content is all quite similar. It's all flashy kind of shit, but he's got a bit of swag. He's got a bit of pizzazz about him, and that's why I like him. It's more kind of style over substance. Yeah, J, J. Cole with Leonardo DiCaprio I find that quite offensive because Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> is one of my favorite actors. I've become a right fucking movie nerd over over COVID. For me, I I would compare J. Cole more to James Franco because he's kind of steady. But in real life, he's a massive nonce. And so, that's, that's, <laughs> so quite a steady actor, but he's a massive paedophile. Um, so that's Jay Cole summed up for me. Well, allegedly. I mean, it's not even alleged. I mean, you've no, just it's alleged it. Danger. It's a fucking danger. No. Who's Jay Cole talking... up? He's not Drake, mate, with that texting young I'm girl. I'm talking about James Franco. I'm just. Oh, Franco, I'm yeah. I mean... Yeah, he's a massive danger. And so. I've decided that by extension, J. Cole is as well. The thing with the thing of um, Kendrick Lamar is that he's an artist. Much like Kanye West is an artist, and that um, he's not going to Kanye West is not going to make college dropout ten times and live off that, which he could have done. He'll always try and push the envelope with different results, especially over the last eight to ten years. And Kendrick Lamar has been that for me since um, since Damn. Well, that's the last time he did, but. I didn't care for that album. I don't anticipate me loving the next album he does, but I love him because he always pushes the envelope. That doesn't appeal to anyone. Everyone. I mean, I just wish Andre 3000 had had more of a career to, you know, more music out because he could have been someone who really did push the envelope in a good way. But the thing I love about Andre 3000 is he just seems so content and so happy. And this day and age, everyone's just so. Everyone's mad about something, you know, and he's just like he doesn't really use social media. 
he's not making bars here and there about this and that. He's just kind of in his own lane. And I think there was a sighting of him just walking the streets and he's just like playing the flute. It's like, fuck. I mean, the similarities of him and Biden is that when you've made so much money, you can just not give a fuck with different yeah, results. One, one, one of the results is Andre 3000, who's just unproblematic and lovely. And the other one is Joe Biden, who's like, well, <laughs> you know, you don't own me. I'll, I'll blow the shit up. Fuck you. And I'd love to have a bit of both. Let's have a job. I say, you know what? I don't love it here. I'm not being treated the way I want to be treated. I'm just going to walk out. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. And that's something that's nice about Joe Biden. And I guess if Andre Fivadin is just like, well, he's got a lot of insecurities and he's just like, well, you know, do I really want to make music or just kind of, you know, be a good parent to my kids and, you know, just be a positive guy. And this is one of the beauties of hip hop is that you've just got so many different characters, man. It's just, we've, we've done this podcast for about, what, 20 odd minutes, half an hour and... The characters we've covered is just, you know, all sides of the spectrum. It's true. I, I mean, to be fair, like with with Kendrick, what I'll what I'll say just to clar- clarify my position is, I don't dislike Kendrick. I think Kendrick is extremely talented and a very good rapper. Um, and I think the compare like the it's a bit like the Ronaldo and Messi thing. The comparison is just pointless. Like they they are very different. They're in def- different lanes. So you can make the comparison if you want, but it's kind of futile. It just doesn't, I've never, his music's just never got me. I've never gone, like, listened to a Kendrick album and been like, fuck, I need to listen to that again. I'm just like, that is objectively really good. It just doesn't connect with me. In the same way as, like, Rick Ross. So rapping about nonsense and, like, money and stuff, that's part of hip-hop. Like, there are loads of rappers I like that do exactly the same thing, right? But for whatever reason, it doesn't connect with me. Um, So when the new J. Cole album comes out, I'll listen to it. I'll look forward to it. If it's good, I'll like it. If it's shit, I won't. Um, so let's let's see what comes out. Talking of albums that we do like, though, T, you've been listening to this new MF Doom and Scarface, uh, Scarface album. Yeah. Talk to me. Um, the album's very nice. I've had it. It's been out a week or two, and I didn't really play it initially, but this week I gave it a, gave it a spin. Um, There's only ten tracks. The whole Scarface stuff is a bit. It's, it sounds a bit almost industrial at times. I don't really care for it. So when, they've got a new product out with this person that person I don't normally care for it but I really like the album I mean, there's a track called I think it's Back in Action or Back in the Action and um, it reminds me a lot of the brighter spots of the Master Master Ace and MF Doom album you know, Son of Evolve, where, you know Master, someone like this better deck has got a very very um, you know unique cadence in the way that he spits his bars but the way he spits his bars on this track is almost like the whole Slick Rick kind of late 80s style we just kind of saying in a lardy dardy the way he's spitting his rhymes and I just love that I think Inspector Dex showed a lot of diversity on this album and you know I enjoyed him as much as I enjoyed MF Great, Cal, have you um have you heard any of this album or not? Nah, I've I've got um I've got a no fear hoodie coming in the post. So once that turns up, I'll put it on and I'll be able to listen to this as such. This is our album then. <laughs> to be fair, there's, there are a number of the um, Zarface albums that uh, that I've like just randomly given a listen to bits and pieces. And you're right, T. Like a lot of it's quite yeah, industrial is probably quite a good word and like met- metally, I'd say. And it's like not always, not always for me. But then there's the odd bits and pieces across the the projects that I enjoy. So I will definitely check it out. I mean, it's MF Doom, so I'll, I'll definitely give it uh, give it a look. Cool. All right, let's um let's move forward. Let's go to part two. Back in the day. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. This is uh, a story that references something or someone from the golden era. This is um, a couple of weeks old now, but I thought it was quite interesting. Um, DJ Quick uh, burns his death row royalty check. And then take and then claims credit for Nelly's hot in here, fifty cents in the club and others. Now this really confused me when I saw this. I remember thinking at the time, going, I don't know what I don't know what he's on about here. And he's I think he might have lost his marbles a little bit. Because my understanding is Death Rose and and any affiliate acts have got not a lot to do with Nelly's hot in here. That has Neptunes, as far as I'm aware. Um Yeah. 
50 Cent in the club. Okay, there's a Dr. Dre connection there, obviously. Um, but again, I'm like, is that that was Interscope and Shady. Like, how is that related to Death Row? So this whole thing was just a bit odd, Cal. Um, so I wondered if you had any insight or like what your thoughts are on like, because this comes up a lot when we spoke about P. Diddy, like doing artists out of uh, money and not taking care of them. What is going on with DJ Quick here in this scenario? Is this something that could be avoided? Is this a death row issue? Is this a sugar issue? What is going on, mate? Yeah, so Defo has actually just changed hands again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been so Hasbro had it, and then they've now sold it uh, to somebody else for quite a lot of money. Actually, it's amazing how much. Uh, I think it's like three hundred million or like a lot of money. Oh, it's like, how really? is Defro like a lot of money? I'll have to double check how much it got sold for. But like, they're still like a viable company. They must like own all the masters for like the Doctor Dre stuff, the Tupac stuff. They must like own all the masters because otherwise, where's the value in like? buying death row records uh they have like a merch store as well and i was looking on the thinking, oh come on you might have some cool chains and they don't fucking shit um but i think i think with dj quick it, i think it may have been one of those the real the royalty check came in the post he's looked at it and he's thought i've had enough of getting this short paper and in his mind he helped with nelly's hot in here and in the club and there was one or two other songs uh i think he claimed a couple of westlife songs as well um and so <laughs> he um i think he's i think he's just in his i think he said something like i need i should be respected as a production god because that's what i am i am a king and i am a god and you shall respect <clears throat> me as such that was pr- that's not verbatim a quote but that's kind of what what he said and I think he must have just saw the check and thought, this is fucking pennies. For the work I've done, in his mind at least, for the work he's done yeah. for these massive records, he doesn't think he's getting his money's worth, I guess. Wow. Well, I've just, mate, I've just done a um just done a quick Google search, because you know how much we love research on this pod. Mate, you were you were not close, but the other way, six hundred million. Six like, hundred wow. million this year has been solved. March the 22nd, 2021, according to a report from Digital Music News, LA-based label Death Row Records, which is owned by Hasbro, may be sold as part of the sale of the um, label's umbrella company, Entertainment One. That is fucking berserk. 600 million, and that comes less than two years since Hasbro acquired the rights. That's absolutely astounding. Um, So, yeah, presumably they have obviously like some Dre, Death Row era stuff, Tupac, obviously. Snoop Dogg, like they've obviously got all the rights to that. So yeah, amazing. Uh, T, what? Um, any thoughts on this DJ Quick scenario? It's mad. I don't know a great deal about him apart from the obvious. From the West Coast, he's a legend. I've not listened to a lot of his albums, but it's just as I said, it's just indicative of a lot of artists from around that time that you know they're not getting their dues for you know the music that they've made. I mean, I don't know if you've both seen the article about the bloke who um. I think Daft Punk basically sampled his record and you know they made millions of his biggest song and it's one more time I got the song wrong and he's homeless and you know they're oh. so you know I can see it's understandable why Joe Biden gets angry when people don't sign good deals you know we're in the information age and you know people got to sign better deals but as far as DJ Quick goes I mean the fact I don't know a lot about him probably doesn't probably indicate it it doesn't really get his flowers. Only the people who are well, ITK know DJ Quick, but he's someone who's, now for argument's sake, he's probably got a lower profile than, say, Scott Storch, in my opinion. And he's around at the same time, and he's probably done more than he has. So, yeah, um, I don't want to go against him. I mean, maybe he should have signed better deals at the time, but, you know, he's he's one of the legends of the game, and, you know, hopefully this all gets ironed out. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think this is, um, look, whatever the truth is here, he is obviously a legend and there's always an element of like, we need to protect those people and we need to protect those icons. And it's like very easy for, for us to just kind of shit on people and be like, oh, what the fuck's he talking about? Like, we know for a fact there are loads of uncredited producers, writers, artists in music history who like were big parts of songs and were basically screwed out of money through just being a nice person and like coming down to a studio and going, Oh, like, could, could you play keys on this? And then they end up coming up with an amazing track and that's uncredited. And so who's to say he's not in the studio with the Neptunes when they made hot in here. 
and gave them loads of ideas and gems and worked on stuff and they just thought well he's not officially credited so who gives a fuck but there's loads of that those um that potential so so yeah it's uh it's a it's a shame that he seems frustrated like this and let, let's hope it gets um it gets worked out and they figure something out because that is um yeah that's not ideal cool all right well look we are uh, at the sort of halfway point of the pod so we're going to get into our halftime hype track uh this week a little bit of a change of direction it's a bit of an older track um from an artist called none the wiser from bedford friend of mine um it's from his album um be great it's the title track uh I love this record. It's a great sample. Uh, None the wise is an amazing rapper, producer, and been on tour with Kano, done some bits and pieces with our friend Genesis, Genesis Elijah. Um, really solid. Want people to check him out. So I thought we'd give him um, give him a bit of a spotlight on our halftime hype track. So this is uh, None the wiser. Be great. That was uh, Be Great by Nanda Wiser. If you want to t- uh, check out the Halftime Hype playlist, loads of good tracks on there from uh, unsigned artists or underappreciated artists that need a bit more love. Um, you can check that out on Spotify. Just search for Halftime Hype. Uh, it's in our description as well of this episode, so go and check that out. Uh, and go and check out Nanda Wiser. Go and check out his music. Uh, it's got more stuff on the way coming this year, I believe. Right, let's get into part three. The choice is yours. So the choice is yours is a choice between two things and why. Could be an album, could be an artist, could be a comedian, sneaker brand. Um, We'll try and keep it as relevant as possible to the week of recording. Um, But one thing that isn't mentioned in that description is it could be a choice between two genres. Um, And I feel like this one has been put in by Cal to deliberately wind me and tee up and and pit (laughs) us against each other uh, in what can only be described as an audio battle of the bastards. Um, <laughs> so, that Cal, is, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So that is through, exactly, why you put that's exactly what it was. Because Cal doesn't know what it's even, where it even comes from. You've never seen Game of Thrones? No. No. I, no, I don't. I've never seen Game of Thrones. I'm not battle into the, fucking dwarf. The bastards is one of the, one of the premier parts of that series. 
the thing is of Game of Thrones, it's like, I could, I'm not into all that dragon dwarf, I will smite thee and they shall be smoten shit. Well, like, neither am I, but you wank off Dwight Schrute is into all of it, so fucking get it watched. He's done you. Dwight, Dwight Schrute is a god. He is a god. Um, but, you know, yeah, I'm not into all of that kind of thing. And the other thing about Game of Thrones is it is the most spoiled TV show ever. Like, I I know half of it is like the red wedding and a purple wedding and then fucking Morpheus turns up and fucking slays a dragon and all this fuckeries. And it's just like, oh, there's so many spoilers out there for this. Can't be bothered in watching it. And for the last couple of weeks, T, you've been sucking off drill big time, like Black and Decker right down your gullet. And I just thought, you know what? Let's fuck, let's fuck with you know these what? two. Because they're... I'm, I'm going to address that dead bar right now, right? Is that <laughs> you know, I follow I follow Link Up TV on Facebook. Let's say who's the king of drill. You get a bunch of edge lords to like places like fucking Nanny Eaton and Kettering saying Nikita <laughs> yeah. and Bosch. How about you fuck up and answer the question? You Ooh, fucking wet it. mug. I love it. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. I love T's. T's got beef with the Kettering Mandem now. They're gonna be. Yeah. They're gonna and be fucking raging when they're little. This is the thing, right? Um, some a genre like Gavin just come from something with a rich history, which is like you know U.S. house, Chicago house, yeah. and, and even jungle and drum and bass. So. The thing of garage is probably something that's a lot more musical. You got you got orchestras and all that bollocks there with with, with garage, and and that's fine. But something like um, I see drill a bit like TikTok, whereby it's an unspoiled genre, it's just like it's raw in its element. So you haven't got like record labels taking down the video on TikTok because you know I've got I've got a Mob Deep video. I think it's blood because um, uh, what is it? Survival of the Fittest on my Instagram. Every time I get an email saying, oh, take it down because the company have had a fucking Barney about it. You know, TikTok is just unspoiled. And the thing of drill, obviously, it gets taken down on, on YouTube and other platforms. But it's just an unspoiled genre. It's not about whether they've got bars. It's not about whether they beat some logical. They all sound if It's just kind of raw. It's like punk in 1977, you know? So that's probably what I love. It's like, I love things that are imperfect. That's what I'm a Spurs fan. So... And that's how I feel about Jewel, is that it's just imperfect, but I just love the energy. Fair. So, look, just to clarify, the, the question from Cal was UK Garage versus UK Drill, right? Yeah. So, I, 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 will, um, I will agree with T, actually, in, in a lot of this stuff, which is that, actually, there are a lot of similarities in the sense of these scenes. In other words, they're both born off the back of an existing scene in the States and then developed it into a very British version of that thing. So... UK drill is an offspring of like Chicago drill, yeah, similar cheap. sort of instrumentals. Yeah, exactly. And similar instrumentals, but we've, we've taken it, made it a British thing and we have our own very like popular scene. Same with UK garage. That was off the back of like um, Todd Edwards coming over to the UK playing essentially like house and then kind of coming up with a slightly different sound. So like a four, four and then become like speed garage and bringing it into what became UK garage, two step, etc. And T's also right in the sense of UK Garage has, for me, a lot of range, right? You you can have like musical mob Pulse X and like bangers that are just raw baseline with like a very simple beat pattern. And then you have like stuff that like Wookie makes, like Battle, where it's almost like gospel yeah. um, with like amazing vocals and melodies. And that to me is what gives Garage the edge is that it is also an imperfect genre. Right? There's a lot of trash garage records there's a lot of <laughs> poppy rubbish that's lost its edge and i guess the difference between the two is that garage has seen like a start in like 98 and became a chart topping genre right mainstream popular like flowers and um shit like that and daniel bedenfield and stuff like that getting to like top 10 in the in the charts and so it's kind of like gone full circle and there is now a new burgeoning uk garage scene that is doing some really interesting stuff uk drill still i don't think has met as like hit its top point yet and i think there uh -huh. will be a point when it starts to 
crescendo and will ultimately crash and burn into bits. The, the current number one record is a drill record. It is. So, oh, yeah, um, body. So, um, I think drill is still young, still in infancy. So, the evolution that John's talked about hasn't happened yet in drill. Um, you don't get any, you don't get many R&B singers on a drill record, for example. You don't get, I mean, you've got, I think, the body record I've talked about, Body by Tion Wayne and Russ. You know, it's got the remix of RD. I don't know if, don't know if you know. RD John, based on it about Adiola and watching Roller Geezer. And that line has kind of gone viral now. And, you know, that tune's gone viral on TikTok, which is like another conversation altogether. And that might signal the bigger record labels. And you know what? We can market this. We could market this. We can. And maybe the next two, three years, you're going to see like, um, well, Sweeps, was it SFA doing Flowers? Yeah. You're probably, probably going to get that equivalent in, in drawn in the next couple of years. And. On, on to the next big thing. Um, I mean, me being a bit older than the other guys to keep referring to, I was around when, you know, Garage first came about. Well, UK Garage. And I fucking hated it because I just associated it with house. And you know, in the early 90s, you'd buy a Jody C single. There's a fucking stupid house mix at the end of the bloody record. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck this shit, man. 10 minutes long, fuck off. And, <laughs> you know, it's... But then it's kind of evolved. I mean, you had Tina Moore, Never Gonna Let You Go, and uh, what's her name? Rosie Gaines, Closer Than Close. Yeah, Closer Than Close. But then you had her own artists kind of make, making their own versions of it. And, um, you know, Jewel's kind of going more worldwide. You've got Italian Jewel. There's an Italian remix of Body as well. Um, Australian Jewel. A lot of these artists are like the most played, the, the biggest markets apart from the UK is like Australia. So... It's a growing genre, but it's not it's not something that's very palatable right now. So closer than closer is something that was palatable. And then no one could yeah. play that anywhere by Rush Games. But aside from body, a lot of the songs aren't something that you can play. <laughs> you know, you could you, you could play it in an office, for example. You know, I yeah. don't think people are gonna want to hear about Cheffin and Cheffin and driving dingers and all that sort of stuff in, in that kind of environment. And that's probably why I've kind of vibed with it, because um I think that the energy that hip hop was met with in the 80s was that they're just talking over records. And I never ever, it, even if it be 100, I never want to be that guy who says that's something that's current and vibrant. I'm never going to ever shit on it. And even if I do, it'll be the caveat that look, it has an energy. And a lot of black music is about energy. It's not about song songwriting craft or you know, melodies and shit. It's all about it's all about a vibe. And the thing with, you know, a lot of black music, you've got to kind of see it and feel it and be in the venue to feel it. And that's what the early days of Grime were like, where, you know, these people are spitting two bars and they're doing a reload and you can't make out a lot of the words. But it's not about what they're saying on the bars. It's about if you're in that venue and you're with your mates and you're vibing and, you know, you hear a sticky beat, like, golly gosh, then all of a sudden you say one bar over it and everyone's kind of... Re it's all about being there in that moment. It's not about whether, I don't know, he's doing... Um, he's got a different rhyme scheme to anyone ever came before. It's all about the vibe. And I probably want... I shouldn't say I'm passionate about Joel because I'm not. It's just like um, something I'm into. And um, the thing is, is that... The thing with Garage is that Garage is that as well. Garage is something that a lot of the house heads weren't, weren't keen on. A bunch of my yeah. closest mates are massive, massive househeads from, you know, the disco days in Paradise Garage and Studio 54 and disco. They're into the whole birth of house music. So when I ever play them any girls, they're like, oh, fuck off this fucking shit. And um, again, I'm like, you know what, man? Kids are vibing to this and kids have the ear for, you know, what's really happening. And music is not about, it's not all about penmanship and craftsmanship. It's about a vibe, a feeling and a belonging and... and Hip hop is a community. Garage is UK garage is a community. Drill is a community. And ten years from now, there's going to be people, you know, twenty now. You know what? I remember when you know I first heard that heady one track when you know when you just come out of prison, and now we'd scoff at it. But in ten years time, it's going to be a proper movement. So, you know, and that's the fun thing about this podcast is that we champ we try and champion subgenres of hip hop. But we're not that saying, well, if you're not 90s hip hop, you're nothing. It's all about you know what. We love UK garbage. We love UK draw. We love, love um, we love you know we love all different kinds of genres and 
the commonality with these genres is that community and culture. Beautifully said, T. I couldn't agree more with everything you've said there. And I think that's true. Like that's what I think what this pod has become and what we what I think we feel most passionately about is that championing of black British music predominantly, but but black music more broadly. And I feel that in a way, this question, although you like we're supposed to pick between the two, I think that the important thing to highlight here ultimately is the British music scene always finds a way to to create something that is identifiable by the youth of its day. Like for me, UK Garage, like that 98 to like, I don't know, 2008 probably, that was like my hip hop in the 90s. That's That was my like formative years was that genre. So when I hear it now, it evokes all those memories of like being part of that and trying to emulate like my favorite MCs and like learning their lyrics and then like trying to write my own lyrics and then go into those things and like being like basically a kid. And when there was like a mate of mine, like basically trying to be a promoter and going, oh, I'm putting on a garage night where you and the boys like do a set. It was like people just do nothing. We thought we were amazing. Yeah. We thought we were a fucking so solid crew of Bedfordshire, mate. We, we were, we were out there. And my mate, uh, I saw my mate at the weekend, um, big up to Gaz. And he was saying to me, mate, do you remember the first time we did a, like, a garage event as like a crew? We were called the Wrecking Crew because we, we weren't aware that Dre's crew was called the Wrecking Crew. Back in the day. So we were like, and it wore mascara. Yeah, it was spelt differently. It was R E C K I N. Because you've got to change it up, haven't you? Um, yeah. And he goes to me, do you remember what you were wearing the first time we ever did set? And I went, yeah, definitely. Double denim, white t-shirt, white beanie. Like a fucking boss. And I, Because I, I, I loved Craig David. So I was just like, right, I'm just going to be a fusion of like Craig David. So solid crew. Right. And obviously now it's like ultimate cringe. But at the time it was like, I genuinely thought I looked so fly. And like, we always used to like make it, we tried to live what people were doing. We were trying to emulate that garage um lifestyle like in the clubs people were dressing a certain way and we were trying to emulate that as kids and so i think like what people are seeing in the drill scene now is is more closely aligned to hip-hop in the sense of there's an intimidation factor around the music itself but i think the um point stands to you which is that it's exciting it's the energy and so um it's our podcast and i know we're supposed to pick but we don't want to pick we'll we'll pick both let why why pick the, the winner is uk british music yeah, exactly. The real winner is Yes, they are. I think you're absolutely right, both of you. The the winner is uh, the British people, the world, because they get to hear the music that we created. And the winner is our listeners uh, for listening to you two talk about both of these genres with such passion. And you're both very welcome. I'm like Puff Daddy. I have no talent at all. I'm just a guy <laughs> that just... I'm just a conductor. I just go talk about this and look what happened. It was gold. You, you, you're DJ Khaled, but from out of London. One. Yeah. His album didn't do very well, apparently. No, no. Yeah, there's no, no real shocker there. Um, right, let's get into the final part. Uh, this is uh, the questions. It's the questions. It's the questions, boy. It's the questions. It's the questions. Come on, the questions. So this is where we we answer your listener questions. We we had a question a few weeks ago, which ended up becoming a big uh, segment from a regular listener, John Brady, who asked us about the Ryder Cup. Um, we won't go into this one too much detail, but I thought it was a really interesting point. He was uh, he said basically, who is the best forgotten MC, the weaker of a great gr group that never gets a mention because the other person is so good? Um, Havoc. Was actually a pretty good MC, but Prodigy was just so good. Completely fair. Daz Dillinger has unbelievably good flow sometimes, but Crop gets all the chat. Big Boy versus uh, Andre 3000, etc. And so he was asking us, like, uh, the question is top five backseat driver MCs. I thought it was a really interesting question. I think, like, if we really spend, like, a lot of time thinking about it, I mean, the ones he's named, let's take them as red. I guess, like, the other people that spring to mind is, I feel like um, in Wu-Tang, Inspector Deck doesn't, get the acclaim of the others when actually he's got fucking legendary ver like legendary verses and i don't know why i don't know why i wonder if it's just his name like he sounds like a dj i think it's just like um cool g rap i mean cool g rap has a good solo album but yeah i just think that what elevated the other members is a good solo album and it's better deck 
didn't quite have that. Um, yeah. The name that always seems to pop up in these debates is Fife from a Tripod Quest. Um, yeah. But I've probably, I've, I, don't, I wouldn't have the motivation to listen to his solo stuff when he made it. But I did like, I, I think he complimented Q-Tip very, very well. And he's probably one of the legendary um, six men, as I say, in the States, in the NBA. Yeah, fair. All right, so we'll wrap, we'll round it out with there. There you go. There's your top five, John. Um, Cal, I'm going to come to you for this one. Um, Grant Sharples, he actually asked us this about a million years ago, and it's been sitting at the bottom of the running order. I think you mention it every week, and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll put it in, and don't see it, and just ignore ignore you. Um, and now you've you've demanded that it goes in. It's actually a great question. Uh, what's your favourite closing track on an album? I'll start with mine. Phoebe Bridges, I know the end. Um, Cal, talk that's to what me. he what says, your... by the way. Yeah, that's that's his. Uh, that's his. Um, what's what's yours, Cal? Uh, I've written three down. Uh, I need to actually double check one of them. Uh, the first, it does need to make sure that one of them is actually um, a closing track. Um, but one of them, the first one I thought thought of was "You're Nobody Till Somebody Killed You" by Big on Life After Death, disc two. I'm uh, pretty sure that's the last track. Um, it's just so poignant, isn't it? It's just so poignant because he, you know, he passed away not long, not not long before the album came out, and it's a fucking banger. It is such a banger. Uh, I can't remember if it was the RZA that made that beat. I know the RZA it made was. a beat on this. There we look at me. Um, and yeah, so it's just. And I remember reading the credit notes as we all used to when we all used to buy CDs. I remember reading that. It's like, oh my god, Biggie worked with the RZA and DJ Premier on the same disc on the same album. Just um, yeah, that that's the first one. Um, I'm pretty sure. Let me just quickly. Actually, I'm gonna while I'm checking this second one. This one is actually a bit out of left field, and it kind of goes against everything I've said about this artist. But Logic, he made a Logic. track. Trash. Logic. Logic made a track called off his Under Pressure album called Till the End, which fucking bangs like it's a fucking banger and it's got a great beat i really enjoy it um i love the way the track closes as well because the beat kind of stops and then it, it brings it back in again um i really 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 enjoy that track i listen to that uh quite a bit and i just you'll probably know this john what's the closing track on college dropout is it last call or family business i, I think, think it's last call. last call yeah yeah i thought it was last call but Ah, you fucking gorms mine now. Um, yeah, last call. Last call was what I wrote down. I think last call is a great track, um, and that's the one with the really, really kind of long kind of ad lib at the end where he's just talking about his whole yeah, career, basically brilliant. how we got started. It's it's a fucking amazing. It's incredible because it is literally the story of how he gets signed, how he starts out in music to to the point where he gets signed by Rockefeller. It's fucking brilliant, uh, mm. and also it's a complete banger as well. It's a great track. Mm. Um, T, I'll give you a bit more thinking time. I'll jump in with a couple from from mine. Um, Please don't steal mine. Well, hopefully I won't. Um, Common's B album, the last track, It's Your World, is a J Dilla B. And similar to the Kanye track, it sort of, I guess like this, first of all, the actual track itself is immense. I mean, there's some fantastic uh, phrasing and lyrics in there um, from Common. It's just a really well put together track about aspirations and shit that goes wrong. And it, I don't know, just kind of trying to focus on what you can achieve in your life. And then the kind of second half of the track is basically just young kids talking about what they want to be when they grow up. And when you look, kind of listen to the whole album, you get to that point and, and the instrumental from Dilla is, is fucking incredible. It's very emotive. So it really like elevates me. The other one uh, I was going to say from Black Album, my first song, uh i really like that because it is it again it just i don't know it just it, it does feel quite definitive almost on the album and it's it's a really nice way to finish it so those, those two and then obviously last call they were the ones that sprang to mind so t shoot well the first choice of mine was um an episode did of um, dennis elijah and that's about water ward empty cans from the yeah. streets yes yeah. oh. That's 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 got to be one. Um, right. By the way, nobody somebody kills you was was puffy. I thought I was reverse. It's actually puffy. Ah. So before anyone corrects us, but 
he has to be empty cans. He's just such a fucking anthemic track. Yes. And just, you know, everything about that track was, you know, it, it had to be that one. Um, ironically, on this first album, Stay Positive is another kind of really amazing end track, I have to say. Um, I mean, another one that I was going to pick would, would have been of um, Only Built for Cuban Links. I think it's Heaven and Hell. See, the Heaven and Hell was on that kind of vibe anyway. Um, you know, I want to check it right now. I don't care about listening. I'm going to have a, a proper live, live check right now to make sure. Well, that's that all right. I've, I've got I've got one more to add North, into the mix. Because North Star is... Yeah, North Star. North Star. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Go on, John. One more. I've got one more. One more. Oh, go on, go on, John. So this is actually definitely my number one because every time I hear this album, I get to the end of it and I know what's coming um, when the sort of like beginning of the track starts mm. and it just gets my like goosebumps like going. And it's it's one of my favorite ever albums, which is Sagas of Kalashnikov um, by Kalashnikov. The track is called Son of Naya. If you've never heard it right now, go and play it as loud as you can. It will fucking change your entire life. It's one of the best instrumentals I've ever heard. I love it. And, and periodically, I kind of like just forget about it. And then, like I said, when that when the sort of start of the track comes, it just like brings this like anticipation that I don't get from many songs. Um, it's fucking immense. So, yeah, Son of Naya, Kalashnikov, absolute anthem for me. My thoughts grow like herb in wild fields of mango A certain man have jankro and flex like flamingo I'm buffalo, this shit gets venomous like Kosovo The manimal, man a maneuver undetectable I'm out the manor smoking the poisonous vegetable Soaking in herbs and drawing the vital mineral Channel my energy, regain my energy Can you see me? I'm a soldier Who penetrate the pain barrier Carry the legacy that's left by my father Dictate my words manifest into scripture I paint my pictures with sound clash Your sound crash, no counteractions I cut my dubs from the stomach of the mountains Building the rhythms from the natural surroundings Surrounded in red mist, yeah Grabbing my Charlie Bronson, manifesting your death. I've just fucking remembered one. Castle of State of Mind, Skinny Man. Bang. Oh. That's another one. And um, he was on a podcast uh, a couple of months ago. I think it's RTM. I forget what that even stands for. And um, I think before he went to prison, some art student said, I want to just film a video, you know, film one of your videos. And there's Castle of State of Mind. says, you know what, I'm, I'm just a university student and I'll just film this video for you and Skinny Man didn't completely forgot about it and then he comes out of prison and he goes to um what was the box I don't know if it was um Channel U actually Channel U or the box one of the two <laughs> and Channel um U, that was one of the most played videos on there and he's like what the fuck is this I had no idea that I'd even done this <laughs> and the blog did a really poignant video for Catalyst State of Mind so there's that I mean we've probably forgotten loads so if you've finished the podcast and you're on twitter reply to the podcast tweet and just give us your best last album tracks yeah there's so yeah. many of them there is so so many of them out there you know you've got happy people off the happy people r kelly album uh <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nod one of life's one of life's real injustices is that feeling on your booty was not the last track off the TP2 album, really. He just had to put one more track after it. But feeling, feeling on your booty was was the banger. And it's also a shame that Renegade wasn't the last track on Blueprint as well, because that, that would have been a yeah. really yeah. close off. Yeah. What is the last no, track on Blueprint? Well. Girls, Girls, Girls too. Remix or whatever it is. I think it's just called The Blueprint is the last song on that. Uh, yeah, Girl, Girls, Girls Remix is like one of the hidden tracks. Um yeah. Homesick, actually, off the Freddie Gibbs "You Only Live Twice" album, it's where he's talking about being in being in the Austrian prison and all of that. That's really, really good to close out his "You Only Live Twice" EP. That's really good in all seriousness. Oh, another one as well. Like just while we're on it, because um, you know, like T said, I'm sure people are going to want to chuck in their own. Um, so we'll definitely stick a tweet out about that. But um, regrets on Jay Z, uh, "Reasonable mm -hmm. Doubt" is immense. Hard yeah. to tell, Nas. Yeah, I mean, fucking hell. There's, there, if we could just keep going all day, I guess. So yeah, we'll we'll what stick a tweet out. Let us know. We 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 want to know. Right, last question, uh, last one of the pod, from our friends over at Crate Eight Oh Eight. We put a tweet out saying, uh, "New episode coming. Uh, come and join us in the gutter." Um, and then I put a 
gif of uh, Pennywise from It. Yes. So, Cam, a creator away, has asked us which rapper would play Pennywise in a remake of It and why. So, you can take this in a number of different ways. You could take mm-hmm. it almost literally and go, who's a clown, <laughs> right? Who's a clown rapper mm-hmm. and why? You could think about it go, like, who maybe has got the acting chops to put in a performance? Or mm-hmm. just think about it in, like, just some mad mental way, like, literally, who would be in the gutter with us um, playing this character? So, um, Cal, let's start with you, mate. Who's who's going to be your suggestion for Pennywise? That's really hard. It's a really, really hard question. Um, I thought maybe Easy E because he's quite short. He's got a high pitched voice, mm. and he's kind of a savage. So I kind of thought Easy E was like the first one that kind of came to mind. Um, I kind of wanted to. I nearly said Bushwick Bill, but then I thought he's passed away and he had some disability issues and i thought that'd be a bit rude so i'm not going to say bushwick bill so i'm going to stick with easy it's a bit a bit eric hitchmo i like the stuff you do about his little wanking claw um (laughs) i mean you mentioned there that he passed away i don't want to break this to you but i'm pretty sure easy he's dead as well just to that just live on air there um t any any suggestions for this casting of uh, pennywise mc hammer (laughs) <laughs> yes he needs a he needs a payday yeah because um you know he's people kind of laugh at him and i think we spoke about nina he's a bit gangster so maybe yeah. him coming out of the gutter is kind of um you know the vestiges of you know you can't touch this and the and the gear he wore in that video and you know, the clown outfit it's a bit like there's an episode of um family guy where there's a bloke who this is like this guy. So Rush Limbaugh is a bloke behind the costume. I don't know what the other character was, but there's a guy behind the costume. The bloke behind the costume was Fred Savage. Yeah. So that could be like MC Hammer. So MC Hammer could be like the bloke working in, in um, to make it relevant for Americans, Whole Foods or Target, whatever the fuck, wearing a work uniform. And then, you know, maybe by night at the weekend, he's Pennywise. He takes out that mask off and he's MC fucking Hammer. He just made like all these banging that local mixtape album. So yeah, MC Hammer. Bang. That's a good shout. Weirdly enough, um, I thought about this this afternoon before we obviously started doing the pod. And I thought Rick Ross. So it's kind of weird that you brought him up. Um, I just thought Rick Ross has got sort of the size and stature of like, you know, quite a scary character. Um, mm. He's also, in my eyes, a bit of a clown. And also, it'd be quite, um, it'd be quite haunting if, like, when he's like luring the kids into the gutter, he's saying like the mad shit that he says. Like, he's just like, "Oh, come, come into the gutter, Charlie. Like, I've got filet mignon, like four hundred pound plate, and like gold forks, and like I'm just like some bit bitches eating fettuccine off my dick with a fucking Versace yeah. shirt on." And then the kids like, "You what, mate? Like, nah, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> you, you fucking weird nonce. See you later." Yeah. Uh, KRS One, he, he he's a bit noncy now, isn't he? So we could mm-hmm. he could get in the mix. R Kelly obviously would be a pretty good one. Jermaine Dupree, Jermaine Dupree, get them all in there. Any sort of nonce related, <laughs> Diddy to be honest, get him in the mix. Yeah. Any yeah. sort of creeps, any dangers, we'll take the take yeah. them Caprio. Yeah, get them all in there. <laughs> Franco, Franco's in there. James Franco's in there. Yeah, Jay James Cole. Franco, not, not the former <laughs> dictator of Spain. James Franco, just to make that clear. Um, right, boys. We've um, we've reached the end of another um, gutter-filled hip hop forum. As always, it's been a pleasure, Cal. Thanks very much for your participation and creaking. Welcome. Thanks, well. mate. And T, as always, thanks for bringing a level of decorum that Cal and I couldn't possibly dream of bringing. You're welcome. So, if you um, if you've got some halftime hype suggestions, artists we we want to we should check out, then reach us on. Uh, you can go on our website notoriouspod.com um, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, it's notoriouspod um, so yeah just get in contact with us, it'd be great to get some more suggestions for artists we should check out, um, get them onto us we'll, we'll stick up some tweets as well about your um, favourite last tracks on albums um, so reach out to us it's been a pleasure, um, if you want to rate and leave us reviews, great, if you don't go fuck yourself and we have got next week special guests uh, Mr. Alex Canwell is coming on to talk about his new um, project, Folder 15. And so make sure you listen to that. That'll be out next week. Also, 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 to cut you, John. But James Folder did an article called The Definition of a Classic on the Notorious POD website. So check that one out.
That's very true. James would not forgive me if I forgot to plug his, his uh, article for us. So good shout. So yeah, definitely go and check that out. Also on the website. All right, beautiful people. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, get ready for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Notorious P.O.D. A Hip Hop Podcast. This was a Hip Hop Forum episode, so a special thank you to Cal and T for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love at Music Grindhouse and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D House. Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favourite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist. So if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious P-O-D. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J-O-N-B-A-S-S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.